This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. It's the day you've been waiting for for over four months. Look at it. Kansas City, Union Station. The countdown is on, and their clock is wrong. Well, I think this was taped <laughs> earlier. Yeah, I mean. Let's go! We're ready. Uh, what are we, seven hours away? I had a buddy call me today. He said, you know, it's like Christmas Eve of the NFL season. It is. It really is. It, it, this is the official mark of the new league year. Um, a lot of people, you know, technically it's the start of free agency. That's when the new league year begins as far as having your books done and getting yeah. your under the salary cap that's, and all of that. That's bookkeeping stuff. But this though. is – this is about where the rosters begin anew. Yeah, this is the football end of it. This is fun. Now, free agency is fun. And a little bit of a peek into the future of your team. But here's the thing. You, this is obviously very different from free agency because <clears throat> you're definitely going to get somebody, right? I mean, you're, you're going to get somebody in this yeah. draft. And you got six picks, and it could turn into seven or whatever, depending on how it moves up. Last year, don't forget, folks, last year nine trades were made in the – in the first round, nine. <clears throat> that is awesome. Yeah. And we, so <clears throat> last first year, one, and the first one that happens, the mock drafts all go out the window anyway. But. Last year, most of those nine trades happened later in the round after pick 20. Right. With the quarterbacks in play here, I think the general consensus is more of the jockeying for position will take place in the top half of the round. Although the last six or seven picks could get very interesting depending on what's on the board. When we get down there later tonight, yeah, and no doubt the Bills are part of that mix. And as Brandon Bean told us last week or a week and a half ago, right around pick 20 is when they'll begin to have an idea as to whether or not they're going to have somebody there when they pick, whether they got to get up because the number of first-round grades are dwindling fast, or if they have to get out of that round completely and hope they can find a trade partner. So that's the problem. I think no, a lot of Bills fans have said it over the conversations we've had. Bills fans would be perfectly happy if they get an extra pick and move out yeah. and go to like 34, 37, 40, whatever the pick might be if you tra- trade out of the first round. The problem isn't the Bills' willingness to do it. It's somebody else's willingness to go into the first round. Right. If, if there's nobody there that the Bills like at that pick, what makes you think there's going to be something there that a ton of teams think is worth that pick? Because of the widest variance of opinion that we have seen in the, a long time. The deeper and, you get into the draft, the wider the variance. Well, and not only that, I just think the class as a whole, Steve, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport tweeted the following. In the words of one GM, it's the most unpredictable draft in forever. Yeah, I, I, And it's because there are – Maybe the fewest number of surefire, elite players, can't miss yeah. guys than we've seen in several years. And that leads to a wider range of opinions. There are going to be teams that are absolutely in love with somebody that another team wouldn't take until after pick 50. Right. I was talking to guys up, upstairs a little bit, and they said, Yeah, the craziest thing is that you get in the second half, they're outside the top 10 or in the bottom third of the first round, and you'll have somebody picking a guy. And certainly in the second round it happens, you'll have somebody picking somebody in the second round that you had on your free agent list. Mm. Like if it was a rookie free agent, you're going to sign them after really they extreme. don't get drafted. Yeah, um, That kind of stuff happens. And plus, he goes, he goes, we can't even you – know, you'll have debates in your own war room over what's the difference between a fifth-round pick and a seventh-round pick. 
where if you go closer to the top of the draft, it becomes, wow, yeah, you can't do But in the bottom of the draft, it's like, well, what's the difference? Yeah. Right? So you start getting deeper into the draft, and it's a roulette wheel, bro. Mm-hmm. A roulette wheel. It is. And you have no choice but to put all your chips on one number. So That's we, the way it works. <clears throat> so as we get set for round one tonight, the latest goings-on regarding the picks and who could be going where, it still seems that all of the Bryce Young talk is, in fact, going to hold true tonight, and he will be the first pick off the board to Carolina. After that, it gets pretty interesting. There are some people who maintain that the Texans are not in love with the other quarterbacks in the class and may pass at pick two. Um, I think it's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, Steve. I mean, I do too. You need a quarterback. You're drafting second. Take the guy. Like, take your pick. Yeah. I mean, you have three that. You know, people wouldn't look at you cross-eyed if you took any one of those three. And to take a defensive player, especially when you have the 12th pick in a class that's deep at edge rusher also. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, it's, yeah, it's cray-cray not to because get the quarterback. Because you don't take the quarterback at two. You ain't getting him at 12. You might, not, you might not get any of them at 12. Right. So, to me, the quarterback, yes, edge rusher is a premium position also, but – you know how fast the quarterbacks go. Their value gets inflated every year because people are so desperate to land one. I think if you pass on quarterback at two, you're not getting one of the next two guys that you wanted at 12. I just – it's flat out not happening. I'd be That's very right. surprised. Because you got to look – you just go down and you look at the order that the draft's in. Houston, Carolina, Houston, Indianapolis all need a quarterback, and they're three of the first four picks. Arizona is open for business to trade. Yeah. So you could see even – and we've seen it – Indianapolis – Will flip flop with Arizona, or be, somebody leapfrog, or somebody, or some, be, to keep somebody from leapfrogging them. Yeah. So to keep the Detroit Lions or the Raiders or the Falcons, whoever you take your pick, from leapfrogging them back in up into the first round, up in the top three to get the guy they want. Particularly, if Carolina and Houston pick, or like if Anthony Richardson's on the board, somebody may say, God, Richardson's the guy. He's going to be good. You know, the mm-hmm. Josh Allen syndrome. This guy is not good. In, he had 13 starts in college. There's a ton of stuff they don't know about him. But, man, oh, man, they know the guy is a, is a real athlete with a big arm and a, great, and a great work ethic. They've already seen evidence that he's gotten better and better and better and better, yeah, like they did the with Josh. Process. Right. So there's a guy that's going to get better. Let's get him. Now, of course, the 13 starts may concern some people because you know who else had only 13 starts in his college career? Well, who? Mitchell Trubisky. I get that. I, and yeah, it's a roll of the dice, no question. It is. Um, but you got to know, you know, I mean, you did right. your deal of due diligence. They're all different. I've said it before. They may play the same position, but all four of these guys are five guys that we're talking about. They're all different guys. So the teams with the ammo to be movers and shakers tonight, Houston with the second and the 12th pick, Philadelphia at 10 and 30, Seattle at 5 and 20. And I want to say there's one other team with two picks in the round. Um, let me look at my sheet here really quick so I can double-check on that. It's Philly. It's Seattle. It's Houston. Somebody else have two picks in the round? Uh, Maybe not. Maybe that's it. Yeah, I think that's it. Chargers were not there. 
No, that's yeah, it. We're good. That's it. Those three teams have two picks. Those teams could be movers and shakers just with the draft capital they have at their disposal. The other thing to note, ESPN's Diana Rossini with this, and it comes as no surprise, she's reporting that I'm told the Arizona Cardinals are currently mulling trade offers from multiple teams interested in moving to number three overall. I think we all felt, and and we I wrote this on buffalobills.com, top five things to, to watch for in the draft. Pick number three is really the first pivot point of the draft because – if you even if Houston takes a quarterback two, that could prompt people to get up to three that need one because they're like, oh boy, two are already off the board. If I'm right. going to get one, I got to get up to three now. Yeah, because he like or the, the, yeah or if Houston takes a defensive player, now there's more quarterback talent to be had. We didn't think that guy would be there. Let's go get him now and trade up to three. So right. Arizona is really in the catbird seat here, and as we talk to some of the people, you know that know the draft and roster building. They've all agreed with us. One player at pick three is not going to change the fortunes of the Arizona Cardinals. It would behoove them right. to trade out, get as many picks as possible, and hope you that could, six players that they draft can make a difference for their team this coming year. Right. You could get conceivably three to four picks for that number three pick from the right team. Now, I don't know where they're going to be. They'd, well, they'd, if somebody's coming from way down the board, yeah. Like if you've got, you got a Baltimore team that wants to come up from 22 and take Anthony Richardson, Anthony Richardson and, and say, well, this is Lamar's last year in a Ravens uniform. He's gone after this year, and then we'll roll with him. You know, then, yeah, you, you, could, you could have a king's ransom for that. So, yeah, I, I really think Baltimore and Minnesota are kind of lying in the weeds here as – as quarterback teams, they don't need a quarterback this year per se, but in 2024, I would say the Vikings almost definitely do. They're done with cousins. Come on. The guy's been productive, but he hasn't won a darn thing in his entire career. Yeah. He's not. Yeah. I mean, he didn't even win the Minneapolis miracle game. That was case Case Keenum. Keenum. Case Keenum did that one. Yeah. I get it. I don't think the Raiders are satisfied or going to be satisfied. I mean, they got Garoppolo, but he's essentially on a one-year deal. I mean, it was a three-year contract, but there's an out after one They're sitting one at year. seven. So the Raiders, what are they hoping? Somebody drops like – I mean, Hendon Hooker will be there at seven. He's a 25-year-old guy. He's going to be a rookie. But he had an ACL tear. But he showed some real – to me, he showed some real promise before he got injured. Um there are some people who questioned the offense that they were running at Tennessee that Hendon Hooker was a part of, but he was very productive in it. And I know this, the head coach of the Raiders thinks he can make just about anybody a really good quarterback, even though he's been proven wrong time and time again. So he's got a lot of confidence in his coaching ability. Uh, so he could know having Garoppolo there for a year with Hendon Hooker on ice for that first year sets him up for the future and really gives him some job security that he may not deserve after what happened last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they get it, they'll give him another year because, oh, he's got this guy, the, the plan's coming together, it's what he, we thought it was. We knew we got Garoppolo was just going to be an okay guy, and that's what he was. So here we go. That, you know what I mean, that, that kind of long-term thinking could get Josh McDaniels to his third year. Um, well, also, let's not <clears throat> forget that the Raiders are not exactly flush with liquidity. They're still paying John Gruden $10 million a year to not right. coach for them. Right. It was a 10-year, $100 million Ooh, contract. There's about four or five years left on that thing. I remember. So, well, 
Damn. They, yeah. So they go. fired him. He didn't resign. He's no dummy. He's not going to resign and forfeit right, if, sixty yeah. million dollars. So they're paying that guy ten million a year. Do you think they want to fire Josh McDaniels? Pay another coach to not coach for them? I can't see it. Yeah. I think he's going to get all the rope they that he wants. Um, we have to look at some other things regarding the draft and what could impact some teams' choices. Jaguar starting left tackle Cam Robinson is going to be suspended for violations of the league's substance abuse policy. The number of games that he will miss was not disclosed. The Jags already lost starting right tackle Jawan Taylor in free agency this spring. Now they do have 2021 second-round pick uh, Walker Little, who was penciled in to be the starting right tackle for this upcoming season. But now he'll presumably have to start on the right side in the absence of Robinson, at least to start the year. Do you think this prompts the Jags to lean a little bit more toward offensive tackle if the value is right at pick 24? Oh, yeah. Right? Me? they got to do something. The draft makes a lot of sense. I mean, they can still go out on the free agent market, but if there was a really good free agent left tackle out there, he's <laughs> he wouldn't be there yeah. if he was that good. Um, yeah, they've got to. I mean, that – so if you're the Bills sitting there, that's another – to me, that's another uh, uncertainty that's made more certain yeah. by the teams just ahead of you. And I don't, I don't pretend to know how many games Cam Robinson is going to miss, but let's not forget last year at this time, DeAndre Hopkins was suspended for six, six games, the first six games of the season. So It's a chunk. Yeah, it's a third of your season. I mean, <laughs> that's a big chunk. Yes, it's, it's a, big a big chunk, chunk. So, especially for a Jacksonville team that's trying to take the next step after making the playoffs last year well, and winning a playoff, playoff game. They won a playoff game yeah. last year, so they're they're feeling pretty good, and that's an important position. Yeah, so that that's a, it's a crusher for them to get hit like that. But like I said, for for the rest of the league and how it affects them, despite what happens on the field with who is who is or who is not playing left tackle for them. It's a certainty that they've got to fix it before the season yeah. starts, and here we are at the draft. So you know at, at this pick now is a 24th, 23rd, 24. 24th, three, three spots ahead of the Bills. There is a certainty that one of those offensive tackles is going to be gone. So if the Bills are down there to where they've got like two tackles left, are they going to let the Jaguars pick one and then hope that the Giants and the Cowboys don't? Yeah, maybe. If they they'll sit there if they have five prospects that they like. Right. And if they happen to get a tackle, well then great. If, <laughs> if not, there's five, it's great. If well, there's two, not, it's not, not even so five great. tackles. I'm just saying five prospects that they like. Right. Tackle, yeah, I get you. defense, whatever. If they have five guys they like with grades in that neighborhood and you know, the Jags are doing whatever they're doing at twenty four and you're only three picks away, you're just gonna stay where you are because you right. know you're gonna get at least one guy that fits your value. No matter yeah. what position, I he think plays. I think more likely though they're gonna they're gonna look at that and say, okay, I know those those guys are gonna take an offensive lineman. We've got three prospects left. One of them is an offensive lineman. One of them is what a line wide receiver, and the other one's, one's a, a line or whatever. So that's where they and then they got to look at the Giants and the Cowboys as what those guys are gonna take. So if they got three picks left and there's three picks ahead of them, and you know one of them's gonna be that offensive lineman, or maybe he's not. Because if the, you know, that's that's where you gotta you gotta take a deep breath and say just just gotta wait. You can't know what you don't know. You can surmise what you think you know. 
you can make some you've got to think right now as we're talking because this is why this conversation is going on Jacksonville is picking an offensive lineman that's a tackle specifically yeah right that is where we're at right now so that is a little less uncertainty I think okay the problem is you don't know if they're liking and I'll say it again you don't know if their guy's going to be Cole Strange or Jackie Slater Right? You don't know if he's going to be a guy that you really love, a guy who's a Hall of Fame kind of guy, or a guy that everybody's like laughing at you. Poor Cole Strange. Guy's been our veritable whipping boy for the better part of the last three months. Yeah. yeah, He's the poster child for criticizing the Patriots. It's been so good. Um, Bryce Young, Steve, has signed with the Jordan brand ahead of the NFL draft. So he's not even the first pick yet, and Young has signed with them. According to reports, he has a shot to become the face of the Jordan Brands football division moving forward, provided he lives up to the hype. I wonder what the outs in that contract are for the Jordan brand. Like, yeah, we'll still send you shirts and shoes, but uh, you won't be doing any commercials if you flop. You know what I mean? Right. How does that language read in the contract? I'd be very curious to see that. Yeah, hey, if you're great, we're with you. But if you stink, we'll pay you this much for commercials, this much for your name and likeness, and we'll give you and what it used to be for the the contracts when I was playing for the shoe contracts. They go here, and we'll give you umpteen amounts of money towards gear. Yeah, it's free. It's free. Like you, credit. Yeah, you get you get. He'll probably you know he'll get a get, line of credit for gear. Yeah, you, here's your here's the catalog. Pick what you want. It's on us, kind of thing. And you you know you do it for your friends and your family and all that and everybody's all fat and happy thinking they're it, it's true man it's the best thing for the family where you you send them the catalog and get whatever you want yeah. they absolutely it's you know Christmas in July so read uh, an interesting note on Yahoo Sports this morning and it's about the number two overall pick since 1997 not counting last year's draft. So that's about 25 years. 56% of the number two overall picks have been busts. If you're, Their criteria was if you're the number two overall pick, you've got to put up at least one all-pro season or win two Super Bowls, one or the other. That's the criteria that they went with. 56% bust rate. Are you ready, Steve, oh, to run down memory lane of the number two Wait picks minute, in the though. last 10 years? That's a, that's a pretty high bar. you got to be an all-pro or win two Super Bowls. One all-pro naming. You're the second pick in the draft, guy. Yeah, but you're playing for the Cleveland Browns. All right. Well, you're, anyway. playing, you're playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, you're playing for the Arizona Cardinals. All of these teams that suck – you got to be an all-pro for those guys. All Thanks right. a lot. That, yeah. Well, well, let's go down memory lane okay, here of the number ahead. two overall picks for the last 10 years or so. Are you ready? All right, go ahead. So last year it was Aiden Hutchinson. He's not part of this pool, but looks like he's going to be a pretty good player. After pretty good's not with, good enough, bro. He's a well, bust. Know, right, but, right now he's a bust. Well, okay. By, your, by the standard. 2021, All right. number two overall pick, <laughs> okay. Zach Wilson. All right, that's a bust. All right, all right, I'll give you that. That's a... <laughs> okay. Uh, 2020, I'll sh- I'll number two overall pick, Chase Young. Missed all of last year. He had an injury. So you kind of get a pass and they on did him. Not pack, they did not pick up his – and now yeah, he's supposed to win two Super Bowls with that franchise. Or go to be an all-pro once. Think about that. He though. should be able to be an all-pro once, I would think. 
provided he gets through a season healthy. 2019, Nick Bosa to San Francisco. Is he now? Is he a bust? You no. Can't. Nobody's thinking pro. he's a bust. Number two pick in 2018, Saquon Barkley. Okay. Injured, but yes, he's a, he's a dynamite player. Number two pick. Was he a bust? 2017. I think he was an all-pro that one year he had that he was healthy. All right. Number two overall pick, 2017, Mitchell Trubisky. All right. 2016 draft, number two overall pick, Carson Wentz. 2015, <clears throat> that number guy, two hey, overall. He's won one Super Bowl. Well, did he really win? Uh, he was a high MVP level through 11 games of that season before he got yeah. hurt. 2015 draft, number two overall pick, Marcus Mariota. All right, that's a bust. All three of the busts, the, the absolute surefire busts have all been quarterbacks so far. 2014 NFL draft, number two overall pick, Greg Robinson, tackle the St. Louis. 2013 draft. I have no idea about Greg, but he did win. If he's with St. Louis, he's, did he win a championship? I don't with, know if he was there long enough. Okay. Uh, 20, what do we have to? 2013 draft, second pick, Luke Jokel to Jacksonville, offensive tackle. Second pick, 2012 draft, Robert Griffin III. See, another quarterback that busts. 2011, Von Miller. How about that? That guy's no bust. Nope. Two championships and a bunch of all pros. Yep. He's a Hall of Famer. 2010, Ndamukong Sue, who won a Super Bowl with Tampa. And the Rams. And he's been all pro. He was with the Rams, wasn't he? No, wait. He he's been all pro, so he he's would qualify. Been, yes, he's very good. 2010, offensive tackle Jason Smith to St. Oh, Louis. I have no idea who that. Or sorry, that was 2009. 2008, Chris Long. He's, he's a won good two Super Bowls. He's a good player. Yeah, he's won two Super Bowls. Won so Super he Bowl. he he fits the bill. So you see what I'm getting at here? It's just oof. a high bar, bro. 2007 was a winner. Uh oh. Calvin Johnson. Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. Yep. That'll work. That guy. Think about that for a minute. He had a 45-inch vertical. I don't think I've seen that. I remember standing Since. on the sidelines of the preseason. Because the Bills, you know, when, when Ralph was still around, they played the Lions every year in the preseason, preseason yeah. right? It was like the Detroit thing. So I'm standing there on the sidelines, and Calvin Johnson comes out. His butt is as high as my chest. <laughs> That he means to be up to my shoulder. He is. He was freakishly big. Freakishly big. Yeah, but where does a guy that big and long have the right to, to run jump, a four three? To jump forty five inches? Like, think about that. You could stack a. You could almost put a four foot human under him when he jumps up in the air. Think about. Oh that. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's not right. That's like that. Never, n- never mind the fact that he could, you know, when he jumps, he could bring his legs up. He could jump two legged up on, he could jump over an automobile and never touch it. That's not right. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just, that is not right. It's, it's the, the athleticism is unbelievable. And he could outrun anybody on the field. Just, yeah. Unbelievable. So uh, that, <clears throat> yeah, that's, so we are here. Good for him. Yeah, we so there's are two here. Hall of Famers in there, Vaughn and and Calvin and Johnson. Calvin Johnson. And there's other guys with some potential to maybe Nick get Bosa. Nick Bosa, very good player. But yeah, I but get more it. often than not, when these teams miss at pick two, it's a quarterback. And I'll say this too: pick two is not pick one. 
Yeah, and it was interesting because the, the premise of the write-up said when you're not picking first and you don't have the pick of the litter, yeah. but you pick second, the human, the natural human reaction is you're going to press. You're going to press a little bit. So it's like, well, we didn't get that guy, but we got to get the next guy. And then, and then you press and maybe you force the issue. Maybe. That's some of the theory involved there. I don't yeah. know how legitimate that you mean, is. Like reach but for somebody or like – or Like you just automatically press because you know you're not getting the top guy. But we got to get the next best guy. It's this guy. Let's, I'll, I'll say this too. There's something in it, and I think most people can relate to this a little bit anyway, where when you come out as – you can picture yourself being pictured as this marquee name without ever earning it. You just you show up, right? You're the number one pick. It's like Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets. The pressure is, like, ratcheted up. Oh, yeah. You can imagine the effect it has on a 21, 22-year-old kid of coming into a city and all of a sudden being bigger than the mayor. You know, I mean, this guy is – all of a sudden you are everybody's favorite person in the entire city. Um, it's – it affects you mentally. And I think the pressure on it, plus how the, the, the team handles it, the leadership in, inside the building, your teammates being the first pick of the draft, you're coming to a team that stinks. There's a lot in that that affects you. And it can affect you in a positive way where you come in and say, I'm, I'm going to make these people so glad I'm that guy. Or you're going to be like, they better jump because I'm, you know, it's them, not me. Now I'm it's, here. It's a mindset. For it's sure. a mindset, and that's why these <clears throat> and it teams, affects them. And that's why these teams dig into that stuff so much. Yes. The character background, the upbringing. How were you molded and shaped as a human being, not a player? That like, be- what are your parents like? What's your family situation? Do yes. you have you have older brothers and sisters? How do they yeah, treat it's you? Like, hey, what? you you played with him. What's he like? Yeah, you know that it's all of that goes on, and it didn't. That started because happening, of that mindset, though. That yes, you're talking about it started happening back in the late '80s early 90s, uh, Polian, you, you know, back then, and, and everybody kind of get, starts getting the best practices together at kind of the same time. Somebody comes up with an idea, we should do this. And somebody goes, hey, man, that's a good idea. So back in the day, you can remember, they were paying guys lots of money as a first-round pick, whether they deserved it or not. You know what I mean? It was just it was part of the deal. It was so out of whack, they finally fixed it, yeah. right? It was just Sam crazy. Sam Bradford was the last guy. To right, so they're <clears> – right, so the team started thinking, listen, we're – we're spending multi-million dollars, and we don't know these kids. How about we spend a little money, hire some experts to come in and get a personality interview, start finding out who and what these guys are. It started yeah. way back then, and now, obviously, it's commonplace. Everybody interviews these guys. They give them intelligence tests. They got a new and improved S2 test that they like even better than the Wonderlick. They got all this stuff is they spend money on it so they don't waste bigger money yeah. or that they have a chance to make bigger money by having a star on their team that gives them, you know, home run ticket sales. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So that – this is all hugely important because of just what we were talking about. When they get picked high in the draft, you cannot be unaffected by it. But is it a positive or a negative? And you right. got to find that out. Going to have some fun with you today here on our draft day edition of One Bills Live. Who do you want the Bills to pick in round one of tonight's NFL draft? Who's your guy? We got to draft day. You got to whittle it down to your number one preferred prospect coming to the Bills roster. Who is your player 
for the Bills at 27. You can let us know at 803-0550, local number to get on board, 1-888-550-2550, toll-free number if you're calling from outside the call, the local calling area, or you can hit us up on the tweet sheet at One Bills Live. Who do you want the Bills to pick in round one of tonight's NFL draft? Who is your personal favorite and best fit we, for your Bills? We had a little uh, remembrance today. Even the guys in the control room, I reminded them, and they said they remembered, okay. that last year when we, the Bills were on the clock, you picked Kyrie Elam. I, you and I picked Kyrie Elam. Mm. Remember? When they were on the clock. When they were on the clock. Yeah. I said, that's the guy they're going to pick. And we were right. I don't, I don't think it was too hard. He was like the last good corner on the and, board. Yeah. Right? And then they had, and then we got to round two, and both of us picked James we, Cook. Yeah, we hit, we on hit on James, James Cook. Cook. I remember that. So we had that going. But we were on the, we were sitting here doing the show, and you, you almost could feel it when we got to that point, right? Um, at, and they were like, what were they picking last year? 25th? They moved up to 23, right? Moved up to 23. Yeah. So. But, yeah, they've, I mean, everybody's got their favorite for the Bills at 27. You let us know what your favorite is. 803-0550-1-888-550-2550. Number to get on board. Steve and I will step aside here, but we'll be back with your phone calls when we return. One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. This is Buffalo Bills Radio on Draft Day. The Buffalo Bills select. Welcome to Bills Mafia, rookie. Welcome to a culture that has turned what was once an afterthought into a destination. Sure, the weather gets a little cold or windy or snowy or all three. But the city of good neighbors in the stands will be the city of good neighbors in the streets. The city of good neighbors. Never seen anything like it. Whether you're a kid from a farm and fireball. Josh Allen, quarterback, Wyoming. Oh, what a run by Josh Allen. A kid from the sunny skies of Miami. Bill's Mafia has chosen James Cook. Or a kid from just outside of Nashville. Dawson Knox breaks a few tackles, barrels for another one. He was like a battering ram. Dawson Knox. If you embrace them, they'll embrace you. It's not going to come easy. Nothing good ever does. The light shines on those who come through adversity. But in Buffalo, we embrace the process and all that comes with it. The Buffalo Bills have selected you because they believe in you. Now it's time to show the Mafia why. No, give me the chicken skin. (laughs) Let's go! Goosebumps. Uh, That was Dawson Knox, and that will be the message to whoever the first-round draft choice is. Tonight, how about that? It's like every year, and for, and because mafia, the Bills mafia, they, they consider it family, and I've said it a, a bunch on this show. One of the things about that is that there's a level of affection that fans not only have for their team, like every fan base, but there's a level of affection for each other as you go around the country, as it go Bills, it, you know, they kind of embrace each other, and there's a friendship, the kinship there that is deeper and more pride soaked than a lot of other fan bases. Uh, they like each other. Um, certainly there's obvious, you know, obvious knucklehead exceptions, but that's kind of the atmosphere in which you, mm-hmm. you come to. And so 
I say it every year at this time, the mafia is getting another family member today. And I said it um, to a guy when the Bills were playing a Monday night game, I think it was against the Packers uh, this year. It was an ESPN game or whatever, and, and I was talking to a guy I know, Mike Golick, who was from Mike and Mike. He and I were drafted together by the Houston Oilers. And yeah. we, were, we were reminiscing, and I was asking about his family. He was catching up with mine. And I, and I, you know, I told him, my, my wife and I, we've been here ever since. I left you and the Oilers in 86. And he said, you know, so you're kind of – he's talking about me and Jim Kelly and Thurman and, you know, how we live here. He says, you're kind of Buffalo royalty, aren't you? Football royalty. And I was like – yeah. No, no. It's better than that. Oh. I'm family. I'm not royalty. We're family. And so that that's kind of put it in perspective for me. And that's what we're getting tonight with these kids. Some guy yeah. is going to get, you know, it's, it's like you're going to the pound and you're going to get a new dog, right? I mean, this is it. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go choose him. Which one I hope we, he's a dog, whoever right, it is. Which one's it going to be? Um and so is it going to be one of the big guys or is it going to be one of the athletes? So what are we going to get? And so that's the fun part about this. That's why it's like it's like Christmas Eve today around here. Right. And we're asking you what uh, Christmas gift you want under the tree for the Bills at pick 27. Who is your player of preference for the Bills tonight in round one? Leading us off today, Tim in North Tonawanda. What do you got for us, Tim? Oh, I want Darnell Washington all the way, but I think they're going to go after Brian Brees. Oh, Brian Brzee. I've been, watching Brian Brzee, the, yeah. I've been watching the draft since you had hair, and Steve was a rookie. Yeah. And it's been a long time since I've had hair, Tim. So. Right. Yeah. Well, that tells you how old I am, too. It yeah. wasn't even on TV when I started. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. All right. Darnell Washington. I, You know, it's. Uh, I will say this, Tim. We know that Brandon Bean loves elite physical traits, and he certainly yeah. checks the boxes for that. So I don't yeah, think that's does. an outlandish wish to want Darnell Washington. He's also a big physical presence in the run game as well. Yeah. Um, you know, and you think about a tight end and you want him to do some stuff. And certainly this guy, Michael Mayer is a guy that they say is the best tight end, but this, you talk about the upside. Darnell Washington is, is upside. He's all upside. I mean, yeah. the guy's high, high ceiling. He's got a huge ceiling and um, right away, I mean, you don't need him to come in and take Dawson Knox's place, but if you come, if you bring him in the in the game, all of a sudden, are you you may be running the football right behind him because the guy is big. Or and if he, you're, or and if he's you're in, good at it. Or if you're in the red zone, you got two sequoias to throw to. Right. I mean, him and I mean Dawson's no shrimp. He's six five, and this kid's six six. I mean, just throw it up to one of those guys. Let's go back to the phones here. Let's go to – got a lot of people to get to. Right, Let's go we. to Rick in South Buffalo next. What do you got for us, Rick? I have uh, Jordan Addison, uh, USC. Okay. I love the kid. I love his route running ability. The fact that he was productive with Kenny Pickett at Pittsburgh, then moved to another system, learned the book. It just says that he has uh, the ability to be prepared right away to play in the NFL. Yeah. What I like about him most is he seems to have that, like, dog mentality. Like, he – he wants to, like, go get it every single time. He's ready to get in the face of the DB. How concerned are you, though, Rick, that he's still going to be there at 27? I think uh, the way how the board seems like it's falling in most mock drafts, there's a good chance he will be there. Um, it seems like uh, his 40 time wasn't as great as they wanted it to be. Right. So I think that might help out along um, in the draft process for him to fall to Buffalo. Uh, I think that he's 
more quick than he is fast, and that often gets overlooked in a lot of front offices. Yeah, that, that it's a good call, and, and you're right. Uh, actually, the last mock draft that Bucky Brooks did, which I saw today, uh, he had the Bills taking Jordan Addison. Um, he was very, very productive at Pitt, and given the atmosphere in college football you know, this, these days, he went from Pitt for a, where he's a three-year guy and, and was a Blitnikoff Award winner, went to USC. And can I just say he probably did it because he got a pay raise. So, well, right, NIL money, right. Yeah, and so he decided to go run, you know, go to USC, play in the Pac-12, uh, play with a, in a different offense with a different quarterback and, and do what he can do. And certainly it didn't cost him much because he's still on the, on the radar. But, yeah, he's, already, he's been mocked to the Bills multiple times uh, and really multiple times in the last week and a half or two weeks. Uh, early on, nobody thought he would be there. Um, but now, because of the way the rest of the positions are falling, he has been mocked to the Bills more than, on more than one occasion. Yeah, my concern is the L.A. Chargers at 21. And one, right. of, one of the main reasons why is they have two $20 million receivers in Mike Williams and um, the slot guy. Keenan Allen. Ke- thank, thank you, Keenan Allen. And Keenan Allen is getting a little long in the tooth. And add in the fact that there's a connection there from his college days. So he was recruited heavily um, to Pitt by their wide receivers coach, Chris Beatty. And he is now the wide receivers coach for the L.A. Chargers. So if there's going to be anybody banging a table on draft night, it's going to be the wide receivers coach for the Chargers who recruited him at Pitt um, with pick 21. So hopefully he's still there for your sake, but I don't know if he's going to make it down to 27. I hope he does. I'd be happy with him. Uh, Back to the phones and uh, to Finger in California. What do you got for us? Hey there, Chris and Steve. Lovely to talk to you guys. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing great. Good, good. Well, hey, brother, I honestly really want to see no picks for Buffalo tonight. I'm really hoping to be, unless they have a first round, a first round grade on either an offensive line guy okay. or a tight end. I want to trade back and get as many picks as I can because we could definitely find the talent in the later rounds for sure. Right. I, I like that for on that end of it. Uh, I just want to just say really quick on my end of it for the Aaron Rodgers trade to the New, the New Jersey Jets, if you will. I just laugh at it, and I'll tell you why. You can always put maple syrup and powdered sugar on the dog turd, but it's still going to taste like a dog turd. You know what I mean? And not only that, the maple syrup and the powdered sugar, they're expired. You know, so oh, wow. they can make <laughs> okay. all this. They could just make all this claim that they're going to be better and all. But with all the things that we saw with uh, Denver last year and the way they're setting up to make the Packers be the, the Jets of the East, you know, I just have no worries at all about Aaron Rodgers. I do worry about the Dolphins, though. They guys, I think they're going to do a heck of a lot better, and they're going to be the number two in the division you know, under us. All right. But as far as the draft is concerned, I really hope, unless we have a first-round grade on an offensive tackle, uh, guard, or a tight end, please just trade back and get more picks. All right, That's sounds good. Thanks for the call. Appreciate I like, it. I like the thought, and it's a, it's a real thing. Um, I think it's a possibility. I think it is a possibility, and I wouldn't have a problem with it either. I, the more the wider net you can cast, the more picks you can get, 
the better chance you have of, of hitting on guys like Taron Johnson, yeah. uh, Gabe Davis, and Matt Milano, and guys like that. So, And we know how tight this team is against the cap. They need cheap yeah. labor, as much of it as they can find, especially right. if it's of a high quality. So if you get an extra two, I mean, people have said all along, even though there's a wide variance of opinion, maybe the widest we've seen in many years, on the prospects in this draft, the general consensus is, the meat and potatoes of this draft in terms of best value is in is going to be on day two, rounds two and three. So if you can get an extra pick in that range, uh, you're probably doing yourself a favor. Let's go back to the phones and to Joe in Rochester. What do you got for us, Joe? Hi, Chris and Steve. Great job. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Steve, you should be a Hall of Famer. That's a no-brainer. Everyone knows it. My thing is, I don't care who they pick tonight. I want D-Hop in a Buffalo Bills uniform and I want to take a look at what they're going to do on defense. When you spread out Diggs, D-Hop, Dawson Knox, you have James Cook, Naheem Hines, and Harris in the backfield, Josh being Josh, not to mention Gabe Davis, there's no one who could match up against us. So have fun on draft night, but make something happen for D-Hop. And I think this is just like the Cornelius Bennett trade. You bring him in, we go to the Super Bowl. And Steve, you even said when Cornelius Bennett walked in the locker room, you guys were like, holy smokes, we're going to the Super Bowl. I feel the same way about D-Hop. That's how I feel. All right, thanks, Joe. Appreciate the call. Um, I'm going to ask you this, and I'm, you're going to have to wait with your answer until we come back because we are up against the break here. Do you think a D-Hop trade is an if-then scenario? What I mean by that is if the Bills get a receiver in round one tonight or round two tomorrow – do you think a D-hop trade is off the table? Or if they don't get a receiver in either of those two rounds, would that prompt a D-hop trade? We will have Steve Tasker's answer to that question when we return. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. TV's My Lottery Dream Home Scratch-Off Game from the New York Lottery for a chance to win up to $1 million. Head to your nearest retailer and find your dream home. Play responsibly, please. Must be 18-plus. I know my wife's going to be grabbing one of those scratch-offs. She watches more home shows than you can shake a stick I at. I like them. The amount of spin-offs on HGTV is out of control. What, fix her up or... Now they got different... It all started with this old house. Well, Bob yeah, Vila. Bob Vila. But now it's, you know. He's the godfather of home Right, shows. now it's Fixer Upper with. Now they're Joanne combining and, they're and, combining casts from different shows to, like, work on a project together, like yeah. Hometown Makeover or something. And then it was, uh, yeah, what was the other one where they did the move that bus? Oh, yeah. Um, they do they redo a home in, like, right. a weekend or yeah. something. Yeah, what is it? What, I can't remember the name of it. And Extreme Home Makeover? Extreme Home Makeover, that's yeah. it. And then you've got. This old house, you've got a love it or list it, where yeah. they fix it up and they change it, and they either love their new, their old property house. Property brothers, they, yeah, property end. brothers. Does it great. end? Does it? It's end. great. I I love that stuff though. No. I really do. I can't get enough of it. I I can because I get too much of it. Um, I do get impatient. Let's I'm get like, just show me the before now. Oh my god, you should watch it with my wife because she says the same thing. Oh my gosh, so just get to it. the end. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> 
Exactly. Of course. And then the worst part is that gives that gives every woman out there the belief that any any husband can do a complete room and remodel Listen, it in, in a half an hour. I, you know so. what I do notice about that though, because I they with Chip and Joanna Gaines with their fixer upper. Yeah, yeah. And then same thing with the Property Brothers. The and for sure with Love It or List, I know all these shows. I can't believe it. Anyway, so they get this house Playing and they got hand here. this is our budget. So they they spend whatever they spend fifty grand renovating it. Okay. Yeah. I'm not kidding you. They spend seventy five grand staging the thing. Yeah. They bring in two hundred thousand dollars worth of brand new furniture, and put it up there. They got a van. Look what you can do yeah. with just fifty k. They got a Van Gogh above the fireplace. <laughs> the fireplace costs two grand. The Van Gogh costs five million. But it makes a house. You know what I mean? That's what they're doing. The the furniture costs more than the renovation does when they stage Smoke it. Smoking mirrors. It's unbelievable. Yeah. They got like a ten thousand dollar dining room table. And they're they're sweating over five hundred dollar difference on the countertop prices. I'm yeah. like, what are you talking about? So <laughs> there's a little Steve, bit of that going on. Steve has given this a lot of thought. There's what I'd like to give him on. more thought to, though, uh, like him to give more thought to, is the question we asked before the break, which was, do you believe a DeAndre Hopkins trade is an if then situation? The situation I posed to Steve was, if the Bills do not come out of round one or two with a wide receiver. Is the trade then on? And if they do get a receiver in round one or two, is the trade off? You think it's a yeah? It, do you think a trade is predicated on what whether or not the Bills can get a receiver in one of the first two rounds? Yeah, I think it might. I think a little bit. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be like a flipping of the ones and the two. Like if the Bills give Arizona the twenty-seven pick and Arizona will give them the thirty-four pick or whatever it is, uh, I don't think it's quite that high. Um, because they've got the Arizona's got thirty-four and the Bills have twenty-seven. It would take about a third. I think it would probably be if the Bills don't get one at twenty-seven and if they don't get one at fifty-nine, then maybe yeah, the next pick, the ninety-one pick, maybe that does go to Arizona for D Hop. Okay, but by that time, yeah, I think I think it's going to happen this weekend. If the trade's going to happen this draft, if it's going to happen. Okay. And I do believe there is an if-then kind of scenario going on. All I right. think the Bills, surely, sure, they'd love to have D-Hop on the team, and I think D-Hop's better than anybody in this draft. Right? He'll help them faster than any drafted player, even if he doesn't play as long as that drafted player could. Right? So I, I think, though, the money's an issue, and fixing that would be not insurmountable. But I think it does predict – I think it is an if-then. If the Bills don't get one of their guys at 27 or one of their guys at 54, 59, 59. then, yeah, I think the D-hop thing might happen. Okay. I'm, I'm inclined to think that as well, but we'll just have to wait and see. But I think you're right. The cheap labor thing's big. Yeah, moving back. Yeah. In the meantime, we go back to the phones to get your answer as to who your pick for the Bills is at 27 tonight. Who's your favorite? To John and Buffalo we go. Who do you got, John? Yeah, hi, guys. I'm going to give you a mini quiz real quick, okay? All right. Uh, he was picked the smartest football player in college, and he won the Butkus Award. And he's a defensive player. Who you got? That's I believe yeah. that's Jack Campbell. You got it. You got it, brother. Wait out, right on. That's my guy. He's a Matt Milano slash Edmonds clone. Even Jay Skirsky said that he's about as close to Edmonds as we're going to get in this draft. 
He's my pick. I know you guys love offense, but I'm going with that kid. If he's available, I say we grab him. What do you think? I got. I like him. I wouldn't have a problem with it, but I'll say this. Him being the closest thing to Tremaine Edmonds in this draft doesn't say much because everybody else in this draft's a smurf at linebacker. Right. Except Drew Sanders. I would say that Campbell is not quite the athlete that Tremaine Edmonds is, but I think he's got him beat on natural instincts in spades. Yeah. Uh, the it's, biggest selling point for Jack Campbell are his football instincts and his football IQ. Uh, like you he, said, he's a smart guy. He worked for a week with Luke Keekley, the former Carolina Panthers linebacker. He worked with him for a week out at his training facility. Um, tried to soak up as much as he could. I like Drew Sanders a little bit better than Campbell. I think he's a little bit better athlete. And I also think he's a two-position player. Now, I could be way off on what his value is. Who knows? But I'd be happier with him at 27 because I think he gives you more. And I'm very interested to see where we're headed with Sean McDermott and this defense with him calling it. We've got Taylor Rapp in here. He may be playing a third safety role. Do you want to – are we getting closer to – multiple position athletes on defense. Is that where we are trending? Because if we are, Drew Sanders is a, tr- a two-position player, as I see it. Yes, I agree with all of that. I think there's a question as to how m- different the defense will look and the scheme it will run, the different – because they never changed personnel when in down and distance under Leslie Frazier. But now Sean McDermott's doing all that. Are they going to be more willing to put different personnel groups on the field? Are they going to be dictated by their roster to put more combinations on the field to match up with teams? Or are they still going to be this nickel defense, and that's it uh, kind of thing? Um, whether that was Leslie Frazier, whether it's Sean McDermott, whatever, we're going to find out. But there's some questions that we don't know the answers to. And those questions and the answers to those questions – have a lot to do with what that middle linebacker is going to be asked to do and who's going to be there and what they even, how much they even care about that spot. So there's a lot we don't know about what this defense is going to be this season, let alone who's going to line up at middle linebacker. Mm-hmm. We have to take a break here, but when we come back, hour number two, we'll be talking one of the final mock drafts that are out there, and we'll also be talking about some of the latest rumors that are out there concerning some of the top picks in the draft tonight round one and we'll be doing that with evan silva coming up next here on one bills live presented by collada health it's buffalo bills radio Welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker, Draft Day 2023, hour number two of our Draft Day show. And pleased to be joined now by the creator and writer for Establish the Run. You can also hear him on the Establish the Run podcast. It is Evan Silva joining us. And uh, Evan, good to have you. Are you excited? It's like the Christmas Eve of football season. I'm super excited. I'm nervous. I have a lot of anxiety. You know, how much stuff am I going to get wrong? How many of my predictions are going to go wrong? I mean, everybody's saying that it's there are going to be crazy outcomes tonight. And I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm ready to get started, though. 
Yeah, and as you as you see this thing take shape, um, how deep into the top ten or the first round tonight do you think it will go before it kind of goes off the rails and we start getting people that right. are surprising? How, how deep do you think they go? I mean, certainly you could interchange maybe 15 guys into the top 10, but mm-hmm. outside of that, then all of a sudden maybe you get a player like mm-hmm. a, a 35 ranking into the top 10, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. How, how mm-hmm. deep do you think it goes before they go off the rails? That's a really good question. I, I think thinking logically – because this is not regarded as a strong draft. I mean, Brandon Bean kind of alluded to that. Um, Jordan Renan, who uh, covers the Giants, was talking about some teams don't even have first-round grades. Teams have first-round grades on fewer than 10 players in the draft. So thinking logically, are there guys worth trading up for? You know, I I, I don't know. You know, so I kind of think that, there is a chance that there isn't as much chaos as a lot of people are predicting and that teams are going to sit and, and, and pick. Uh, unless, unless teams up top are willing to take discounts to trade down, which I think that the Cardinals might because they, I mean, they just need picks, period, because their roster is so poor. Um, so I, I think that there's actually a chance that it, could not, that it might not be as chaotic as a lot of people are predicting, but who knows? I mean, you know, when, when, when teams get desperate for quarterbacks and there are – I think going to be five first round quarterbacks, you know, teams, teams make move to get the, the most uh, impactful position in, in pro sports. Evan, I know in your column that you put up on established run.com about 10 things. I think about the 2023 NFL mm-hmm. draft, you were pretty adamant that no wide receiver was going to be drafted before pick 13. I think the general consensus mm-hmm. is Smith and Jigba will be the first off the board. My question mm-hmm. to you is we all know this is, considered a watered-down receiver class, particularly at the top. It's lacking alpha males, if you will. Do you mm-hmm. think the class is good enough with the first-round graded guys that many people feel will go in that round? Is there, are there enough there to create a run on receiver? And if so, where yeah. do you think that happens? Yeah, so, you know, some of the, the, the more plugged-in national reporters and, and analysts um, kind of came to a little bit of a consensus beginning last night when Daniel Jeremiah did his mock draft and he had the Titans taking Zay Flowers at number 11 wow. overall. Um, that was really, really early, you know, and I think a lot of people expect Smith and Jigba to go to the Packers at number 13. Um, I, I See, to this point, I've been expecting the run to happen in the 20s. Quentin Johnston at a TCU I think will be a first-round pick somewhere in the 20s. Um, and then Jordan Addison, a lot of teams really like him. And I think the Chargers at 21 make a lot of sense to him. I, I think it'll be a little bit more spread out. Um, but, I, but I do think that the, the Bills at 27, um, I, I think that they, they, they might be the end of the run, actually. This draft of wide receivers, and we've talked about it a lot, they all kind of seem to be a little bit undersized, except for Quentin Johnston and some guys further, or actually way down the list. There's a couple of bigger guys down the list, but the top ten guys, with the exception of maybe one or two, are all undersized NFL wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Certainly they all bring it uh, – you know, all bring something to the table. But what separates one guy from the – what separates Jordan Addison – uh, mm-hmm. from, you know, Smith and Jigba, what separates Smith and Jigba from Flowers, because they all are very similar in their size mm-hmm. and what they've been asked to do in college. 
Yeah, I think that Smith and Jigba and Zay Flowers are the true slots. Like, you know, if, if the Bills are looking for a slot receiver, th- those would be the guys that I think that you look that, that you look for. And I do think that they're looking for a slot receiver. Although, you know, you could make an argument that if the Bills, uh, w- like, just want to take the best receiver that, that falls to them, um, then it, it might be Quentin Johnston. And then you play him outside across from Gabe Davis and you work Stephon Diggs into the slot more, which I, I think that, I think that that's a realistic scenario if that's something that, that they want to do. Um, so I, I think that so, – so Flowers and Smith and Jigba stand out because they're, they're slot receivers, and Jordan Addison can do a little bit of both. And then I think Quentin Johnston is like the clear outside guy. Let's flip it to offensive tackle here because I think that's an outside you mm-hmm. know, shot for the Bills to tap into if, if the value matches up. And I, I was interested to see, and we've heard this, you know, that Darnell Wright's stock was mm-hmm. going through the roof here in the late going, and you've got him going 15th to the Jets. Mm-hmm. So that's not much of a surprise based on what we've heard and read and seen out there. Mm-hmm. But then you've got Tipman going 24 to the Jaguars, the center guard from mm-hmm. Wisconsin. Um, and then you don't have another tackle coming off the board until Broderick Jones all the way down mm-hmm. at 31. We've seen him routinely – in the teens, early twenties, yeah. the latest. Are you hearing anything on Broderick Jones? Why the why the drop for him in your mock? Yeah, I mean, it, it, when you're doing a mock draft, sometimes you know you're you're just trying to match players with teams and and, and specifically positions. I mean, at one time I had Anton Harrison uh, from uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, yeah, as as the number thirty one pick. To Kansas City, I actually think that the, the, he could play. He could be in play for the Bills. Yeah, at number twenty-seven, um, uh, he he was supposed to not be super athletic, but he went to the combine. He tested really well. He's got really long arms, and I mean, he played a lot of football at Oklahoma. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Broderick Jones is probably going to go earlier than thirty-one. That's just kind of how the mock shook out and okay. you know I wanted to ma- I wanted to make sure that I had him in the first round I just you know I was matching a, a bunch of other tackles to, to teams and he just happened to slip to 31 it's just kind of how it goes gotcha right right yeah so, do you think that as you said and we've heard it from the beginning of this it wasn't a strong group of receivers uh and it's and it's spilled over in some other things it's deep in tight ends deep in edge rushers but mm-hmm. overall this is a draft that's kind of a yawner in the big picture do you, are we still suffering from the 2020 pandemic and where the NCAA allowed guys to come back for a fifth year? A lot of guys stayed out of the draft that year. Um, and then the next year there was a huge pool of players in 2021-22. And now players are staying in college a little longer because they've got NIL money and some of them will take a pay cut coming to the pros. Uh <laughs> Do you think this is kind of a trend where the draft is kind of finding its own level after the chaos of the last two or three years? Yeah, I, I think it's it's starting to bounce back to normal because there were a lot of guys. I mean, just teams didn't have a whole lot of tape on guys. Um, shoot, there was one year there wasn't even a combine. Right. You, you know, so, yeah, I, I think it's starting to bounce back toward normalcy. But you're right. I mean, teams were kind of winging it there for, for a while. And they had to rely on really small sample size of game tape 
to watch and, you know, and like talking to uh, the, the college departments about how athletic the guys really were and, and how they tested, you know, privately and, and, and going to the pro days. I mean, yeah, they were, they were winging it for a while, no doubt. What do you see Houston doing at two? There's been a lot of talk that they are off the quarterback train at two and they may just take mm-hmm. the best defensive player. I, I have a hard time, especially knowing they have picked 12 in, in a, what is a deep edge rusher class, at least at the top, that they're just going to bypass quarterback. I, I, I don't know why, but I just can't get there. Where are you on that? Well, one of the hotter rumors, and I, I don't know if there's any credence to this, uh, one of the hotter rumors that, that came out in the last, like, 48 hours was that um, the, the Patriots want to come up to two and take Will Levis, and they would trade Mac Jones to Houston. You know, there's a lot of people that used to work in New England right. that currently work in Houston. Um, so that connection, I, I don't know if that's going to happen, but, I mean, that is, like, something that has been bantied about. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I understand. I, I think that the Texans want to play it a little bit safe, though, um, and they want to make sure they get two really, really good players at, at 2 and 12, and I don't think that they're in love with the quarterback class. So, I, well, I, I totally get what you're saying. Like, it, are they really going to emerge from, you know, their two – top 12 picks without a quarterback when all they got is Davis Mills and Case Keenum. It doesn't make a lot of sense to us, but I, I just, I don't think that they're in love with the quarterback class. Wow. And if, and so who are they in love with? That's what you really want to know. I mean, they're not yeah. going to, they probably will not be able to get a quarterback at 12 because they'll probably be off the board unless they're thinking about taking a guy like Hendon Hooker, who's not going to play for the first half of the season. Maybe they'll, maybe they could count on him sliding. Although, I think that's in and of itself is a roll of the dice. What what do they do if you know they're not going to trade for Mac Jones for the number two pick of the draft? I don't know. I, you know, I, they're they're not a real well run organization, and that's been the case for a long time. So, right. you know, it, we're trying to apply our logic to to them, and it's just I, I don't think that they're that they're thinking like us. Oh boy. Yeah. Well, best of luck to the Texans. Good Lord. I hope they don't foul right? it up. Jeez, I, I, I'm not encouraged by what I'm hearing here, Evan. You got me even I, – I almost feel bad for them, or at least their fans anyway, for goodness yeah. sake. Uh, the tight end class, you know, as Steve mentioned, Evan, is considered to be super strong. We could see as many as five tight ends in the top 50 picks. Yeah. Um, are you incl- – if you're a team in need of a tight end, are you – are you waiting on it because the class is so deep or is there enough separation from the top two or three from four, five or six or six, seven or eight to say, well, let's just get the best of the bunch now. Yeah. I think that um, there are like six really, really good tight end prospects. And I think they're going to come off the board because again, the rest of the class is pretty weak, but these guys are legitimately really good prospects. Luke Musgrave of Oregon State, he made it into Daniel Jeremiah's uh, first-round mock draft last night, and he's been, you know, he's like considered like the fifth tight end. Um, I, I think we could see upwards of four tight ends go in the first round. Um, and then, and, and then uh, some other tight ends come off the board early in the second. I think that Sam Laporta is an excellent prospect out of Iowa. 
Um, he was really productive for two years. These Iowa tight ends have been doing great in the NFL. T.J. Hawkinson, Noah Fant, George Kittle. Uh, but I, I think that Michael Mayer is the, the true alpha stud. Um, he's, an, he's an excellent blocker. Reminds me a lot of Todd Heap, who played uh, for a long time. Yeah, he was a first-round pick. Yeah. And he was a first-round pick. And I think that his spectrum, uh, Michael Mayer, I think will go in the teens. And I think his, his, his draft spectrum starts with the Packers at 13 and, and I, I think ends with the Lions at 18. I, I think he'll go somewhere in, in that range. What position group has the most first-round picks this season? I think offensive line. Yeah, tackles or guards. Will there be some guards taken in the first round? I think that there will be at least four tackles, and I think that Joe Tipman, um, well, we're, I would, I'm considering Skaronski out of Northwestern a tackle for now, um, but Joe Tipman uh, also could, could sneak into the first. I think that the Jaguars at number 24 are, are hot on him, and, and they need interior line help pretty badly. And they just, uh, just came out to Cam Robinson, their left tackle, uh, is going to be suspended. Yeah, does, so they, they need they need O line help. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Does you know Jacksonville may be relegated to tackle instead of guard? Um, but I I I agree with you, Joe. I, I've been hammering Joe Tipman to Brownie for weeks because I think he's just the kind of guy that would be because the Bills are pretty. The Bills have got a really good roster, uh, and a guy like mm-hmm. Tipman could be the heir apparent to a center position where. Um, Mitch Morse is, plus add some really quality depth down inside. Um, it's a hard roster to make, but sooner or later you got to start replenishing. I thought Tipman is really, really a good player down inside. Could he yep. play guard yep. as well? Yeah, I, I think so. And I, I know that teams like him more than the, the sort of the, the, that the media buzz. Like, the, like teams really, really like him. Like, and, and I think that they think he's like clearly the best interior line prospect. Last one I've got for you, Evan, is, you know, we all heard the, you know, the hype on B. John Robinson and the general consensus is he'll be off the board before we get even to the middle of the round. Um, but Jameer Gibbs is getting more play here in the late going as a late first round pick. Uh, we've yeah. seen reports of him being linked to the Bills, the Eagles, the Bengals. Um, what do you think the likelihood is that he sneaks into the bottom of round one here? If you asked me a week ago, I would have said I, I, I kind of wasn't buying it, but I, I think it's going to happen. And I think the Eagles at number 30, assuming that they don't take B. John Robinson up top, which I do think is a possibility, yeah. I think the Eagles at number 30 really, really like Jameer Gibbs. And um, I think that that's a distinct possibility. Evan, good stuff. I can't wait. It's like we're all waiting to open our presents here on Christmas Eve, and uh, we're, we're excited. Thanks for giving us some insight. Appreciate you. Yep, thanks, guys. All right, that's content uh, creator and creator of the website, uh, EstablishTheRun.com. He used to be big on Roto World, I remember, Evan Silva. So mm-hmm. started his own thing, EstablishTheRun.com. He's got a podcast, too, so check it out if you get a chance. Got some good content on there. Always good to catch up with Evan on mm. the draft. He yeah, said they, Michael Mayer will be the first tight end drafted, and it won't be close. Yeah, I and he, and that the, was interesting. The most interesting note that he had on Mayer was his RAS, his raw athletic score, was better than Mark Andrews of the Ravens oh, really? yeah. coming out. So I think he gets knocked because he doesn't run like a deer like some of these other pass-catching-only tight ends in right. the class. 
This guy does everything, and he's still a pretty darn good athlete. Yeah, he also he's got a couple of tidbits that that he you know through his mock draft and all the stuff, the research that he's done. There's a couple of guys like the edge rusher from Iowa State, Will McDonald, and the offensive yep. tackle Anton Harrison from Oklahoma. He thinks those guys are way higher on most people's boards than than guys like you and me think they are. He thinks they're going to go higher than they. I think both thinks. those guys sneak into the bottom of the round. And he also pegged that Joey Porter Jr., the corner out of Penn State, and Dalton Kincaid, the tight end out of Utah. Both those guys have been buzzed a lot. He thinks they're not as high as Joey other people. Joey Porter think. doesn't have elite testing measurables. He has yeah. elite size, mm-hmm. elite physicality, but he doesn't have really good testing measurables and so I think that's going to knock him down a little bit. So I would tend to agree with that opinion. Dalton Kincaid just checked out medically like a week and a half ago off the back injury. Right. And that back that's injuries, tough, man. they're tough, number one. And number two, you want to talk about a wide variance of opinion? Go ask 10 doctors about the same back injury, and you'll get right. about eight different answers. The back, if you have- so you know the medical staffs for all these teams are going to give, them a diff- give their team a different, oh, don't touch him in the first round. Oh, this is a one-contract guy. Yeah. His back's going to be breaking down after year four. Yeah. You know, they're going to have all these different opinions on Kincaid's back. Right. The, if, if you get the back disease, you're in deep trouble. Um, because it because it is so mysterious and there's you know there's no really easy way to get over it and and it's debilitating if it's if it's well he hadn't done anything since Thanksgiving so it's it's a real thing now there'll be and like you said there's the other side of the coin to that too say hey guys you, this guy is a steal you get it the, the, the back thing is nothing yeah you know so just go ahead and it's not an issue so some team will say oh, we got the guy right so. Um, that those are the kind of things that's why you find out at the combine and all of that stuff. And he got, and now that he's cleared, I think most teams forget you should treat a guy like that who's been cleared and all ready to go, just like you would a player on your own team who's already under contract who gets cleared. Like, okay, let's go, let's see what you got, kind of thing. I don't think there's any of that going on with guys who've played in the league who got injured at playing football. It's wrong to project something sinister. On a guy in his future, just because you hasn't been he hasn't been on your team yet, so um, teams kind of get caught up in that a little bit too much. I think sometimes. Let's get back to the phones and see who your guy is for the Bills at pick twenty seven tonight. Open line for you at eight zero three zero five fifty. We go to James in Tonawanda, who's been waiting patiently. What do you got for us, James? Yeah, I would want to get Darnell right. Okay. And or if he's in like the 23, trade up to get him or go tight end just so we have a bigger target for a Josh Allen. Okay. And yeah. Is there a tight end you like there? Luke Musgrave. Okay. Yeah, I think he's going to be like the one there. I'm not too sure. The other two might be off the board. Right. And Steve, wish you were in the Hall of Fame. You're a Hall of Famer to us, so we love you. Uh, thanks, James. I appreciate it. You're uh, listen. I don't think just we thought Darnell Wright was gonna be there when we all started this two months ago, three months ago. Yeah. Like, yeah, Darnell Wright maybe would. And then we started watching. Says, yeah, we hope he's gonna be here. That'll be awesome. I, I like the guy. We could get him at 27. And then later on, it's like we we ain't getting him. Yeah. We're gonna have to trade up to get him now. Because the more we watch him and the more you find out about him, the more it's like, ah, he's too good. We're, he's never going to last. Right. And, and while 
trading up is, you know, all good and well. The Bills are not dealing from a position of strength in terms of draft capital. Sure, they could lob in some picks next year um, and make a trade happen if they really felt they had to do it. But they're not dealing from a position of strength this year with only six picks, and they need cheap labor on the roster. Uh, And that's why Brandon Bean said, you know, if you're placing a bet in Vegas, the Bills are more likely to trade out around one than they are to trade up, Yeah, knowing they'll have to give up some of the limited draft capital they already have. There's two two sides to this coin. We've been talking about them. I see if I can encapsulate them. One, it's a very weak draft. Top to bottom. There's not that many players that are really difference makers, even in the top of the first round. There's only 10 or 12, less than 15 guys that most teams think that's a guy you got to take if you're there. Everybody below that is not that. And so there's everybody behind that. You start to get varied and more wide ranging opinions about everybody who's left after those first 10 or 15 guys. Very wide ranging opinions. So what happens when you get to the 27th pick of Buffalo, there has to be some team out there, which is very possible, actually, that they have a very high value on a guy that's fallen to 27 that you don't have or that nobody else has. Mm -hmm. So there is that possibility that somebody out there thinks there's no way this guy should still be on the board when in actuality nobody believes he he should not be on the board, right? you got to find that team and trade them to get extra picks because you know the guy's a stiff, even though they think he's valuable. So there's all this – on one side, it's a shallow draft. Nobody wants to trade – most people aren't going to want to trade up to 27 because there's nothing worth taking there. But the wide variance of opinions speaks against that. So there might be somebody out there thinking, I can't believe he's still there. Get him. Go get him. Right. So (laughs) the very – both, both ends wild. of that spectrum make it the wild, wild west out there. It's going to be wild tonight. I think it is. I'll be surprised if it's not. I yeah. think the wide range of opinions or the wide, the perceived wider range of opinions on prospects than we're used to seeing the is going to prompt is, teams to act. Do you have the courage to stand there and say, I know that guy's really going to be good, but I know, too, that we may not. We may be the only ones who believe it. So we're going to sit tight, and he's going to be there at 34 rather than 27. Mel Kuyper said this, and you can take what Mel says with a grain of salt, but he's been doing this a long time. He's seen a lot of draft classes, and he said the, the variance of opinion is so widespread in the scouting community on so many players that if your team comes out of this draft and in three years gets an A-plus, an A-minus, or a B-plus grade on their draft class this year, they all deserve a raise because right. this is the hardest one to evaluate that they've seen in like 15, 20 that, years. That says a lot, and I, and I agree with it. I, from what we've heard and what we said, Mel Kuyper's all over, and I, and I would agree with him on that. There's a lot of stuff you don't agree with him on, and he's been wrong as much as he's been right. He's like every GM, but that makes a lot of sense to yeah. me. Break time for us here. When we come back, more of your phone calls on who is your guy for the Bills pick at 27. we got an open line for you at 803-0550. Your phone calls next here on One Bills Live on Draft Day. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you, asking you for your pick. Who's your guy 
for the Bills at pick 27. Back to the phones and to Kevin in Hamburg next. What do you got, Kevin? Hey, guys. How you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. You bet. I'm going to try something different and say who I don't want the Bills to get and throw a little monkey wrench, who I don't want the Bills to get in this case. All right. And that's the body catcher from TCU who's had a lot of drops on a team that had way too many drops last year for as far as we were supposed to go, which we didn't. And if you're a body catcher, you know what happens. And, Steve, you know this because you caught passes. Once that weather gets cold and around from, say, Halloween and Thanksgiving and Christmas, the ball gets cold, the pads get cold, that leads to an inevitable disaster that I don't even want to think about as any fan, but especially bouncing up in the air, bounce off your pads, and that's just a scary thought because that weather, you know science, cold equals hard, warm equals soft, and compared to September when it's like 70, that, and you get a cold, nasty game like the Miami before Christmas, oh, I don't even bounce up. He's had a lot of drops last year in Texas, which don't get as cold as we do. I can't imagine the thought in November, December, bouncing up and caught by an opposing jersey. All right, fair enough, Good Kevin. Good stuff, Kevin. Yeah, you don't want uh, Jonathan Quentin Johnston. Then, um, yeah, I get it. Uh, yeah, that's been one of the knocks on him. He he doesn't catch the ball well enough, um, and catches it with his body. Um, and this just in: if you're going to play wide receiver in the NFL, catching the ball is kind of important. Okay, so what if I told you, Steve, over the last three seasons that Quentin Johnston has 115 receptions over the last three years and a total of 13 drops? He had a career-high eight drops last year, also had a career-high 60 receptions for 1,069 yards and averaged almost 18 yards a catch. Eight drops, 60 catches. I don't know. It's yeah. It sounds great to me. Uh, you're, he's right. Kevin makes a good point. He played. But there's in Texas. a body catch right there. You yeah, just saw he, one. He caught the body catch against the, in KU, but he he had a really nice game against the Jayhawks. Um, and TCU ran off and line. That was the first game that KU really had their hands full. They got off to a lightning start, and TCU came in and lumped them up. And Johnston was a big part of it. Um, he had a really nice season. Uh, you see there, he's a contested catch guy. He's big, and that's rare and unique in this draft class, a big receiver. Now, there's some guys down the line that I like, I mean, that I like. Um, you know, we're talking about, what's the guy's name? Ford Wheaton out of oh, West like Virginia. Bryce Ford Wheaton. Bryce Ford Late Wheaton. in the draft. Uh, you can get him. Day three. Day three. Uh, and he's 6'4", 225, and faster than Johnston. Yeah, he runs a four three eight. So, there's guys out there with some traits, um, but he's got the same knock. He can catch it real, that well. You right. Know? I mean, that's Route the, running polish is something that people say too. Quentin Johnston needs. Makes you wonder, like, how much work does he need? Is, how much is he – is he worth a first-round pick if he's not going to help you in right. year one? The, the, the evaluation process is like this. There are certain things that you coach up and certain things that come from the player. Attitude, commitment to getting better. Um, you know, work ethic, all of that stuff comes from inside the player. If you're a coaching staff, you got to think, listen, I can get, I can teach the guy how to run a route. I can coach that up. I can coach up um, all this other stuff, catching the ball well. I'll get him on the jugs machine. We'll get him catching 300 balls a day, and it'll be like second nature to him. We'll fix all of that. But I can't fix an attitude, and I can't fix, like, stupid. I can't fix it. If a guy can't learn, I can't 
teach him, right? Um, that kind of thing. There are certain aspects and tool sets that coaching staffs are like, no, nah, I'll get that. I'll fix that. I can't fix a guy who's 5'6". I don't have to fix a guy who's 6'4", right? You can't coach tall, right? That's about one of the few things you can't coach. So you get a guy like that, and a, a lot of coaches will say, right, give me a chance to work on that guy. Or if you're in a guy like a place like the Bills are, like they tried to do with Isaiah Hodgins, um, give us a chance to coach him up and see if we can get him good enough to get on the field. Well, here in Buffalo, he couldn't get good enough fast enough to make it on the field. But he can go to the Giants and play for them, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what you're looking at. You got a guy with some traits and some skills, and your coaching staff's going, now nah, I can fix that. I can't fix this other thing. This guy's easier to coach up and get on the field faster than this guy over here who's got a different set of problems. That's what you're looking at with these draft picks. And there's some guys like Quentin Johnston who are rare in this class, but there are some guys further down the line, like the guy I mentioned, who, you know, they're kind of comparable, don't have the college career he did, but the coaching staffs might say, hey, I can fix that guy that we can get in the fifth round and make him as good as the guy you're thinking about taking at 27. With the same measurables and faster. Yeah. Let's go back to the phones. Dennis in North Carolina is next. What do you got for us, Dennis? Hey, uh, what, what about Buffalo draft, draft uh, Darnell Washington or Don uh, McKay from Utah? Because uh, Brandon Bean hasn't hit the tight end in free agency. And we need some help in the secondary with all the transactions going on in the East. So what you do want, you think about that? Steve? You want guys that can cover receivers is what you're getting at. Yeah. Yeah, you're thinking tight end. Uh, or he, secondary. Or, or secondary. I, and I get it. I, uh, a mock I saw today had the Bills taking uh, uh, Dion Br- or Brian Branch, the defensive back out of, out of uh, Alabama. Yeah. Um, so that's on the – but I'll say this to you. I don't have a problem where the Bills' secondary is right now. No. Trap is going to help them. Taylor Rapp. Ta- Rapp is going to help them in the back end at safety. they got safety depth. they got corners. Kyir Elam. they got Trey White's going to come back with a vengeance this year, I would think. Also, Dane Jackson. Dane Jackson and, ben- and uh, Benford. Taron Johnson. Taron Johnson. They've got guys that can play. I think they're as deep and as good in the secondary coming into this training camp, deeper and better than they were last year because they didn't have ben- Trey. They didn't have Trey, and Benford and Kyir were huge question marks. So I think this year they got to feel really good about where their secondary is. Um, it's so a deep I would, corner class. You can get somebody on day three that could be a right. bottom of the roster guy. And this is a deep corner class. So I wouldn't say it's out of the question. Uh, I wouldn't say it's out of the question, Dennis, but I wouldn't put it as high as a priority as you do. I, I'm not as scared by the roster right now as you seem to be. Uh, in fact, I'm kind of encouraged by it. So I think he's worried about the rest of the division more. No, I get and it. The firepower that's listen. Been added. I get it. You got Waddle. You got Waddle and Hill down in. Miami. Miami. Then you got those guys, these jokers up here in in New York. Um, yeah, Aaron it's, Rodgers it's now. tough. It's tough, but I think this is a team that can hold up to it. Don't forget, this is a re- this was a really good defense last year, and I think they could they got a chance to be more um, spectacular this year, if not more effective. Let's go to Cal in Grand Island next. What do you got for us, Cal? Hey, how you guys doing today? Great show. Love Thanks. it. Good. Uh, what I got is I'd like to see Brandon Bean like trade down, and I was doing the math on that chart, and 27th pick is worth like 680 points, and 59 is 310, so that's 990. 
And uh, if you go back down, I, we can, that's the same equivalent as 40 and 41. And I've been looking. I've done a lot of mock drafts myself, and I believe we can still get Jack Campbell and Jalen Hyatt both, you know, 40 and 41, because, like, they got Jack in, the like, like late 30s ranked and or, or upper 40s. And Jalen Hyatt, like forty four or whatever. Yeah, so you're uh, doing like a trade yeah. sandwich, Cal. You're you're trading up from the bottom of round two and back from the bottom of round one. You're doing a trade sandwich. You got it, and that's what I want. I'd like to get both the guys. Like a lot of people were saying that there's not a lot of first round talent. Well, it seems like what the Bills need is some of these high end second round talent, and I think that'd be great. You know, that Tennessee kid Hyatt, he runs like a four three, and he I, I think he's got a lot of potential, and I think everybody's. Uh, an agreement about Jack Campbell. So that's what I would do. All right. That's an interesting approach, Cal. Uh, Thanks for the call. Yeah, I don't have a problem getting more draft picks. A trade sandwich. Uh, yeah. He wants to move back from one down to 40. So you'd pick up another three conceivably there. And then he wants to trade up from 59 to 41. So he wants back-to-back picks at 40 and 41. So you're probably coughing up that three you just got. Right. And so you're basically giving up 27 and 59 to pick 40 and 41. Because he no, thinks. I'm good with that. That's fine. I, if I, you get Jack Campbell, you know, and a wide receiver. Yeah, and Jalen Hyatt is, is okay. he's a name. But I, I don't know. I, I'm having a hard time getting excited about any of these receivers. Well, that guy's only 178 pounds at six foot one. I like the, I like the roster the way it is now myself. I know I'm kind of a, in a minority of that for most Bills fans because I think the more the better. I I like Sherfield and I love Hardy, the guys they got on in free agency, along with Gabe, Diggs, the guys they've got. I I just and Khalil Shakir. I I like that roster. Um and like I, I was telling guys today, I'm I everybody knows I'm like all in on this team. This is a team that's rostered before this draft is good enough to win the division and go to and win the Super Bowl. This draft is gravy. They're cherry, it's going to be cherry on the cake if they get somebody who can actually help. But right now, if this roster were to stay completely 100% healthy, they're going to, they'll, they'll go – they'll may lose three games again, and they won't lose them by a total of eight. They'll lose them by less than a total of eight points the way they did last year. I mean, that's the way this team is. Uh, Josh gives them that chance. James Cook gives them that chance. Dawson Knox, Gabe Davis, Steph Diggs, this new refurbished offensive line getting a little younger, and, and if they stay healthy, they won't have to be. You know, Spencer Brown will play better. But yeah, they're yeah. This roster, to me, this draft is just about hood ornaments and paint jobs. This is not about an engine. Okay. This roster's got its engine. We'll take a break here, take a couple more phone calls when we come back here on Draft Day on One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, a reminder for our draft coverage tonight, Maddie Glab and myself will be providing instant reaction. Right after the Bills pick, we'll be doing the live stream on buffalobills.com on the Facebook Live page. The Bills Facebook Live page will be on the Twitter handle as well as the Bills mobile app. Manny and I will break down the pick right after it's made tonight. We'll have Greg Cosell, senior producer from NFL Films, joining us to break down 
the makeup of said player, and then we'll take you straight to the Brandon Bean press conference at the end of night one. So be sure to tune in on all of those channels. Pick whichever one you wish. Steve, we're going to quickly give our little pod of players that we think could be picked 27, go. Okay. One of the, we believe, Brownie and I, if they pick it 27 instead of trading out or trading up and all that yuck, one of these four players or five players in Brownie's case are going to be a Buffalo Bill. My four players are Joe Tipman, center out of Wisconsin, mm-hmm. Jordan Addison, wide receiver out of USC, Jack Campbell, linebacker out of Iowa, or Brian Brissy, defensive tackle out of Clemson. Okay, we've got a couple of overlaps. Uh, I, too, had Jordan Addison on my list. I also had Brian Brzee on my list. Additionally, I have Anton Harrison, the Oklahoma tackle. I have Drew Sanders, the Arkansas linebacker, and I have Will McDonald, the edge rusher from Iowa State. There's go. just a sense that I have that there, the value is going to be on the defensive side of the ball by the yeah. time we get down there. It will be. Yeah. It, it may be. It may, maybe there's a run on defenders. Maybe teams are going to start soaking up defensive players rather than offensive players. You know, we've always talked about the arms race that the AFC is and how we kind of get caught up in the wide, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It may be that these things, listen, the best players are on the defensive side. Let's get one. Right. We are out of time for today. Sorry we couldn't get to everybody uh, waiting on the line for their picks for Pick 27 tonight. But everybody, enjoy the chaos that will ensue pretty early in this draft. It's going to be a wild yeah, one. Yeah, sure. it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Brownie and Matt, you're going to be here. I will be watching them. I hope you guys will, too. It's going to be a fun night. And then we'll be back tomorrow at 1 to break it all down here on One Bills Live. We'll see you then.